Welcome to Last Rites, the horror scene podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Brown. Along with me always is my co-host, Owen. On today's episode, we've got news, reviews, and some horror comics. Start off with some news. Um, since the pandemic is kind of over, maybe, not sure. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, they're announcing Monster Palooza is back, which is awesome. So horror conventions are back, at least here in California. Not sure how they're uh, panning out across the uh, Midwest and East Coast, but uh, here they're uh, releasing Monster Palooza in June. So the dates are going to be from June 3rd to June 5th, and it's going to be down at the Pasadena Convention Center. So if you go on their .com, uh, you should be able to look up ticket prices and uh, order tickets through them. I'm not sure if it's uh, mail-in or pick up at Will Call, but all the information they have uh, should be uh, on their website at uh, monsterpalooza.com, I think it is. Very exciting. Other news, there is a new app out. Um, I'm actually just signed up on it, and I like it a lot. It's called Slasher, and it's a uh, an horror. It's a horror app. It's basically like Facebook, but for horror. So anybody and everybody who's into horror, uh, you know, everything genre, music, movie, uh, literature, lifestyle. It's it's basically what it is. So, and they have it uh, for Android and for iOS. Um, although right now they had some issues with the iOS, so they have a, a beta version going on for it, testing out. Um, I have iOS, unfortunately, so um, I can view everything and talk to people. It's just uh, on posting stuff. I can't actually put pictures out there right now until I join the beta. Once I join the beta, then I guess that takes care of everything. At least that's what the, uh, the uh, curator uh, emailed me when I talked to him about it. So, yeah, check it out. Slasher. Um, it's in the, uh, the App Store and on the... Um, what's the one for Android called? Uh, Play Store. Play Store. Okay, so App Store, Play Store. Check it out. Slasher. Um, you got any news you want to talk about? Um, no, uh, no news. Uh, let's jump in uh, into the, uh, the topic. Okay. Well, let me finish out these real quick here. So, um, Halloween Ends um, just announced that they are finished shooting, and they have a uh, opening date for 2022 uh, in October. So, opening date will be uh, October 14th. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I can't wait. Especially uh, after watching Halloween Kills, it's been uh, it's been a really good series so far from uh, from Blumhouse. And then. Um, Scream 6 uh, was just green-lighted for production for this summer. Uh, looks like they're going to be doing up in Canada, from what I read. Um, so I'd like to s I'm kind of curious to see how they uh, continue the story or if it's going to be a brand new story arc. Um, so we'll see. So far, um, everything's been in continuity uh, from the first one to the, to the last one. So we'll see what they do with it. Yes, sir. And then Chucky, the TV series, uh, season two has also been green-lighted for a 2022 release. So they, uh, I guess, wrapped up uh, not that long ago. It didn't actually say when they finished wrapping up, but um, they did say that they're going to be releasing the second season sometime this year, um, but they gave no official date. If you are very excited to check this one out. Uh, Chucky's uh, the one that I haven't uh, been able to... Uh take a stab at so no. to speak <laughs> but uh, um, it's, it's next on the list for sure cute up yeah, I like uh, I like Chucky a lot. He's uh, he's pretty funny. Out of all the serial killers that have the the one-liners or try to be funny in their in their killings, I think Chucky has the uh, the best one-offs, um, even more so than Freddy. Yeah, totally a uh, dark comedy for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I watched actually the first season of uh, Chucky and I thought it was really good. It was kind of weird at first, um, the way that it was uh, starting out, but uh, once the gears got going into it, it was it was like a roller coaster. It was pretty cool. I liked oh, it a lot. Good to hear. Yeah. And then um, 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, they released that on Netflix, and from what I hear, it did extremely well. It was like the number three uh, searched and uh, watched um, movie on Netflix. And uh, not to spoil anything, but the way it ended um, basically is my question is, are they going to do a sequel to it, or are they going to leave it as is? Yeah, it was a... Uh it was a bit of a I can't tell if it was a, a, a cliffhanger or not but um, it, it did leave some space for uh, a possible uh, sequel yeah I think uh, with the way it ended it could have been open ended like yes this is the end or no you know maybe we'll come back and pick up from this point or like most of the sequels that I've been seeing uh, lately have all been like you know five or ten years later and now we're gonna pick up and you know and it's uh, I don't know if that's just a theme going on in, in uh, Hollywood right now where everything that's a sequel or a continuance they're just like uh, jumping you know future like future uh, future movies looking at like the future for you know five years later and, and then they give you a little backstory of what the people were doing in that time you know thinking right. that everything's okay and back to normal and but you know like i said it's just uh it's weird to me about like what hollywood does with the with those type of things um well i uh, i had uh, a few thoughts actually on, on the texas chainsaw massacre um on, on that note, uh, the, uh, the franchise uh, has jumped around a lot. Um, some of the movies, uh, uh, if you go back to uh, the, the Toby Hooper ones, the, uh, the first one and the second one, uh, when you uh, look at them, they're kind of uh, very different movies. The first one was kind of like a low budget. Um, movie and uh, for the second one they had a lot more money and uh, the feel kind of uh, changed even with having the same uh, creative team um, and then the, the, the reboots and the, and the remakes uh, also were very different from each other so yeah it, 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 um, it leaves that, that question dangling as, as to which direction are they going to take next if, if they're moving on at all? Yeah, I mean, it seems like they went the same direction that Halloween did, where they kind of retconned everything before the original, uh, like it didn't exist. So, because the one that's on Netflix currently is, uh, it's supposed to be a direct sequel to the original. Uh, you know, basically, the big budget, you know, Texas Chainsaw 2 um, was not continuity. Um, same with like how Halloween was, you know, like uh, the the actual part two that they did, you know, was retconned out of there. So like the the 2018 version, uh, not version, uh, movie came out and it was a direct sequel to the original 1978. So yeah, it's it's interesting how they how they uh, will do that, and that's also another trend that I'm seeing. Yeah. So it's like, what other movies are they going to do that to? You know, so far, like I said in the news segment with Scream, Scream has been straight continuity, you know? It's one movie after the other, and it's the same characters, and it's the same story that's continuing, you know? As in, like, their lives did get on, they moved forward, but then, you know, this incident happened. The same thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, what direction are they gonna move into? So that would be nice to see. You know, hopefully it's a good one. Um, this one kept my attention uh, for the most part. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Um, although it it felt like it went real fast. So I didn't, it felt like it was a, a real quick movie. You know, it didn't seem like it was a full full movie. Almost was felt like I was watching a TV episode. Um, right. But I guess I was so into it. You know, that's that's what made it feel like that it went by so fast. Yeah, apparently uh, they changed uh, directors at some point, and uh, maybe that has to do a little bit with uh, how the pacing sort of changed in the... Uh, changed the directors, like, in mid-movie? Uh, it was early in, in the production. Oh, uh, okay. As I read, it was very early, so uh, to me it felt like 
there was a lot of uh, uh, exposition in, in the first 20 minutes. Um, a lot of uh, explaining this thing and that, and then eventually, um, uh, when we get to the killings, it was just about the kills. Yeah. And uh, that's when that's when it really like the pacing became like uh, very uh, very fast. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, that's how I think I felt about it too. It's the um, like in the beginning, I didn't really kind of understand what was going on because they weren't very clear on any backstory. It, it, to me, it was like I was supposed to assume I already knew what was going on with these characters and why they were going to Texas. Um, but, you know, and nothing was really explained until like mid part of the movie. And you're just like, oh, OK, that would have made more sense that they would explain that in the beginning, because then I would have had a better understanding of, you know, why these why these people are here. Yeah, they go to a, a random uh, ghost town and uh, I, I got to be honest, I, I just I, I didn't get it mostly because I didn't identify with these um, uh, these characters and, like the things that they were trying to do they were trying to like uh, um, make like some sort of uh, 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 town for 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 the for, for their own uh, sort of like a commune or not a commune but like uh, uh, their own uh, like hipster town uh, but then my yeah. question the whole time was like, then why go to Texas to do this? It's <laughs> the worst place you could. But you know, obviously. Yeah, I mean, without spoiling it, the one of the things that they were anti against was guns, and Texas is a huge like, I'm gonna wear a gun on my side no matter what, and you're not gonna tell me anything otherwise. Yeah. You know, they're very, uh, they're very gun oriented um, people uh, in that state. Absolutely. Um, Texas does have a, a, a history. Uh, historically, it, it's been a place with um, um, lots of uh, violent uh, uh, events. Um, if, you go, if you go back even before Texas was Texas, uh, uh, there's always been uh, some sort of conflict. So it's a little uh, um, uh, the spirits run hot, uh, very much. So uh, people say it's the weather or whatever it is, but it's always like some sort of. Yeah, I mean, to me, Texas always seems like it's the wild, wild west, no yeah. matter what day and age it is. Yeah. You so, know. <laughs> so it, yeah, the theme, the theme of, of one of the themes of the, the movie uh, was. Uh, uh, I understand what they were trying to say, and uh, I think it was. Um, it was uh, full of nuance. Um, this uh, dichotomy of of, uh, of the um, the gun culture there, and uh, having this character that's uh, uh, very anti-guns uh, uh, for her own reasons, right? Um, but I don't know. It, it sort of uh, it, it did expose some of the. Uh, uh, Hypocrisies of, of the uh, um, of both sides of, of that uh, uh, of that controversy. Yeah, some of the characters, um, like I said, I couldn't I, I, I couldn't really identify with them, and I I, um, I think I blame that and the fact that none of the characters I never really cared for. Uh, so like the kills, uh, as, I'll, I'll say one thing about this movie: the kills are amazing. They're, they're really cool, um, but ultimately I, I didn't care for any of these uh, characters. Uh, there's one uh, recurring trope that I'm seeing more and more in not only the horror genre, but like uh, it, almost every genre now, be it sci-fi or even rom-coms, rom-coms especially, will use this character that's like the influencer. Uh, and uh, I, I understand it's it's very now right yeah yeah obviously with but i don't know it's it, it's 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 wearing thin on me and, and the 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 influencer character uh, i'm uh, i'm getting bored of it to be honest right side uh the um the cinematography was really good yeah the cinematography was really cool shots really uh, uh, uh creative shots um like i said the kills were really amazing uh, i don't think it would be a 
spoiler, uh, the first kill was really, really cool. Um, uh, where the guy uh, breaks the guy's hand and then the bone is exposed. And then uses the bone to stab him in the throat. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, when I saw that, I was just like, "Wow, that's so original!" Like, yeah. I never even thought about that, you know. But you know, with everything has been done already, you've got to come up with some more originality, you know, or at least something more brutal. And it just keeps with horror movies. You got to be, I guess, more and more brutal, yeah. you know, for it to really like stick in your head. Because when you watch it, you're gonna remember that. <laughs> you're you're not gonna forget that, you know. Especially like, or even like the, and without going into spoilers, you know, in the middle of the movie, there's the the kill uh, upstairs. You know, that was to me just it went. I don't want to say it went overboard, but it went to the extreme. You know, yeah. with that mallet that he had. And oh right, yeah, yeah, that that scene. And uh, yeah. um, one gripe I do have about the kills is that they do use a lot of um, uh, CGI in this one. Uh, which is, um, you know, uh, understandable. Seeing uh, the, the the guy, one of the guy, one of the creators, uh, his name is um, Fede Alvarez. Uh, his first movie, the first thing he ever did was uh, this thing called uh, um, a Panic Attack, which is just about like uh, it's a really short film uh, about a. Some sort of alien invasion. He did everything. He, did, he directed it and he did all the special effects and, and everything like that. So he used a lot of CGI for that. So you can sort of see the influence in, 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 in Texas Chainsaw um, that, he, that, that he made. Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, but um, the thing that made me a horror fan uh, were the. Uh, the classic uh, special effects, the, um, uh, the the buckets of, of red paint, and uh, you know the, the uh, all the all the effects that uh, uh, that make it seem real, but you know it's not real. Yeah. And the CGI kind of takes away from that, in my opinion. Um, with that said, it, it was really well done. It was really well crafted. Yeah, like all the practical effects. Yeah, practical effects, it's, 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 that's my jams. Yeah, I like those too. And I'm sure you can ask any FX artist, that's also their jam too, because all the digital effects takes away from them and their business. Right. <laughs> so that one's a... I really like that Yeah. I, I was just dying to watch it, and I couldn't see it in the theater, so I ended up watching it on Peacock. Um, but... I got to see it, so I was really happy with it. Um, all my friends were very disappointed in it. Um, but really? Was, yeah, I was just like, I don't know why. I mean, it 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 lived up to all expect expectations that I wanted for it, um, and then more. And then now hearing from you that there was an extended cut, um, now I have to go back and watch the extended cut and uh, see, you know, the differences between what I saw and what was, you know, in the extended cut. Yeah, I got the DVD and, and it comes with both versions, so you can uh, uh, you, you can pop one disc and uh, you can make the comparison. I was really happy with the characters that they had chosen um, to be in the movie, but yeah. my only one gripe would be about um, Tommy Doyle. Um, I don't know what the actual actor of the original Tommy Doyle looks like now. Um, or even if he's still alive, and maybe that's why they didn't go with him. But they went with like all the original actors from the original movie, yeah. um, at least the majority of them, um, and brought them all back in. But they didn't do it for him. So that when when they kind of do things like that, that's like a, usually like a gripe for me. I, I kind of like it rubs me the wrong way because it's like you didn't really need this big Hollywood actor especially with people who are diehard fans of the of the film series um, and you know of, of Michael Myers himself it's just uh, I just thought that um, it's kind of a also like a slap in his face like if he is still alive and say he wanted to do the movie but nobody reached out to them and asked him you know Kyle Richards who played Lindsay Wallace um, in the original yeah. came back for for this one yeah yeah even she and then she's a child actress so not, uh, she hasn't acted in a while and doesn't count uh, 
the uh, yeah, she's the on housewife. The, yeah, she's on that that stupid housewife show. I, which like, I don't, I don't count that as acting, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that's all reality-based, but, you know, probably to a script. But, um, yeah, it's just weird. Then Marion Crane, they brought back the original uh, actress that played her, um, who was the nurse, you know, for Loomis. Um, I did, I really did like how they um, did the CGI for Loomis. I, I'm not really a big proponent for CGI um, on a lot of stuff, but I really enjoyed the Is that take. Like a deep fake or something? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's actually called a deep fake for for what they do in here. I think only like on YouTube it's a deep fake. Okay. But yeah, it's it's basically what it is. Um, you know, they have an actor stand in and they you know do the 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 mocap like around his face so he looks like the original actor. Um, they did that with uh, uh, Tarkin in uh, Rogue One um, to bring him back uh, for start in the Star Wars uh, universe. Uh, the the uh, the score um, uh, by uh, John Carpenter. I guess he did a couple of remixes, and he's doing kind of like a thing where like uh, each character has like their own uh, uh, theme, so that uh, whenever they come in the scene, that's that's when the the score kicks in for each for each character. So that, I think that's that's uh, that adds really to the to the atmosphere. It did feel like a um, like a second act to a, a, a three act type of arc, uh, and, uh, and picked up immediately after the events of the last one. So yeah, it was like a direct uh, continuation. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Do you feel like? Um, um, there was uh, too much fan service in, in this movie. What do you mean? Um, the, well, there was a, a, a lot of callbacks. Um, uh, like, say, the uh, uh, the character uh, Lindsay, uh, played by... Uh, is it pronounced Kylie or Kyle? Kyle. Kyle Richards. Um, her character was kind of... Um, inconsequential a little bit in my opinion she was just sort of there and then she went away and they never revisited like, like things like that 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 their fan service just for the fate uh, it was nice to see them it was nice to see that they were bringing those characters back you know like i said it's they were characters from the original i think they the reason they probably brought them in is because yes they're still in the town so they wanted to touch base with them um kind of see what they're doing um i do see what you're saying about uh, kyle richards uh, Lindsay wallace's character like she had you know her she had like basically her 15 minutes in the movie yeah and that was really it they paid more attention to um the other couple um that was in the movie um that was at the bar scene with with uh you know tommy and Lindsay, right and and the nur and nurse uh marion you know which was also weird to me that all of them you know were there but the way they explained it it made a lot of sense that they celebrated you know oh this is the anniversary of you know what happened and we get together and we celebrate you know with a couple beers and you know look at it as like you know we're moving forward to next year again and so the way they explained it, it to me it made a lot of sense and i enjoyed that um it didn't seem like it was forced you know it, it the explanation was was pretty clear to me um and i accepted it so it was it wasn't like oh this is you know they should have had a, another reason why they got together but you know for that tragedy that happened you know it makes a lot of sense for them to you know want to get together and celebrate a lot of a lot of victims and survivors and stuff like that do things like that so it made it seem yeah. you know legit didn't seem like it was uh, like a forced thing you know or more fanfare like you're saying yeah, definitely. There's a there's a lot of story uh, in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of meat on these bones, right? Yeah, and then the way they explained everything, it wasn't like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, where you were kind of left guessing. Like as soon as things were happening, they were explaining it like right there on the spot. So you were kind of in the know right then and there. Right. So I like that a lot too. Um, opposed to left, you know, guessing like what the hell's going on? Like why are these people here? And, 
like what's the importance of them being in this story yeah yeah no no uh, a, lot, a lot of the characters uh, were very important um, they utilized uh, some of the old characters very well too uh, um, bracket i think was very well utilized he, he has a really good story arc yeah and his and his, I like his story arc too because it seems very typical that you know an ex cop would become you know basically a security guard yeah you know especially like in retirement you know what what else does he want to do instead of you know sitting at home so he wants to still feel important right and uh, sort of um, like I said it does feel like a, a very um, um, middle part of the story. And uh, usually the middle part of the story is where it slows down and, uh, and, uh, and uh, kind of sets things up for, for the, the, the grand finale. Yeah. But that's just the nature of uh, storytelling. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people, like, they, they're just, they're either in it for the jump scare or, or for the blood, um, you know, or for the killing. And then it's, I don't know, it's... To me, when I watch something, I like to be completely engulfed in it and, and like to really just be taken away, you know? I like that, you know, just to, to get a certain, like, feel from it. Some people just watch, you know, horror movies uh, just for the kill scenes um, or, you know, or maybe, like, the psychologicalness of it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like that in all movies. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, one of the scenes that I... Uh one thing I didn't notice is in uh, the very first scene, um, uh, when uh, one of the kid, one of the kids that is trick or treating, uh, um, he's walking by, and you can see Michael Myers standing by a bush, like way, way in the background. And then when he turns around, he's not there anymore. And I had to go back and rewind and wait a minute. And that was one of those moments that I was like, oh wow, that's, that was really cool. Cool. Yeah. It suddenly makes everything click, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, it's like very Hitchcock because Hitchcock did a lot of uh, psychological things like that. So. Yeah, it gives gives the movie a replay value. Yeah. You can revisit it and get something new each time. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel I've, I, I've done that with Halloween, but I feel like I can still watch the original Halloween over and over and, and get something new out of it every time I watch it. So, yeah, um, overall, I, 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 like, I like the movie. Uh, you gotta watch it for what it is. And yeah, no, I always try to be a, a positive. Uh, I try not to be a, um, one of those uh, uh, toxic fans that are always uh, deconstructing things. Uh, you know, uh, I'll have my criticisms uh, later, but, but first and foremost, I try to enjoy it. Yeah, I hear you. Like, I like everything, you know. There might be things about certain movies that I don't like, but for the overall purpose, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll, I'll like it and, you know. I won't talk down on it or talk crap about it. Um, you know, there might be key points or things that happened in the movie or maybe a, a specific actor um, didn't do it for me. Those are, you know, not the movie's fault. Um, so, or it could have been story, you know. Maybe the story wasn't strong. Like they had good actors, but the story wasn't strong. Yeah. You know, there's always there's always something that you can, you can find, but, you know, overall you have to look at the movie for what it is, you know. So, did you have a chance to uh, watch Scream, the the fifth one? Absolutely. Uh, that's another one I really liked. Yeah. That's another one I, I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, I was never a big fan of the Scream franchise. No. Uh, you know, I was and I was I was a teenager when the first one came out. The first one came out in '96, I believe. And I always saw them as like teen movies with like some sort of dark comedy in it, but with the slasher um, um, uh, overarching like theme. See, I was complete opposite of that. Like, I was also, I mean, I was an adult. I was 18 when it came out. Um, but when I watched it, like, it was basically 
at the end of all the really crappy 80s horror, B-movie horror, um, just... If you had a camera and you wanted to make a horror movie, you know, they would they would put it out there with a big budget or, or you know, they would put it, you know, as a B film and, and you know, you would, you would see it in your local rental, you know, store. Um, <clears throat> so it was basically at the tail end of all that when uh, this movie, not this movie, but when the original Scream came out and I was so excited for it because when I saw it, it was like a breath of fresh air to me. It was, I feel, it, in my personal opinion, that the Scream franchise, um, even though the movies were kind of not as good as the first one, uh, each sequel, um, but they were good in their own right. But the first one was that movie that gave a breath of fresh air to the horror genre. I think it revamped the horror genre and got it going again for people to really be like, you know what, I'm making a crappy movie and I, I need to make a better movie. Um, because after this movie came out, yes, there were copycat movies of, of the sort, but there were also really good movies that came out right after it um, that just between writing and the actors that they had for it um, and then the type of characters that they're creating um, and the kill scenes, you know, like we talked earlier, every kill scene seems like it's getting better and better or they're going more extreme. Um, it, that's what it was like for me when I when I saw the original screen. I was just like, man, talk about a, a reboot, you know, to the horror genre. That's what, that's what Scream to me was. That's how I felt about Scream. Yeah, looking back uh, uh, the Scream uh, well, franchise, but the first uh, Scream movie was uh, very innovative uh, for the times. Uh, uh, it was, uh, I think, one of the first movies uh, in the horror genre that didn't take itself too seriously. Uh, it was a little bit meta in that, in that sense that... Uh, um, reference itself and it, it, it yeah it was almost fourth wall but not quite yeah, right right yeah uh, and, and and going forward uh, the, the sequels would um, uh, reference uh, uh, the previous ones uh, in one way or another and when they introduced the uh, um, uh, the concept of the stab movies that's when it got really really meta and, and really self-reflective um, and no other uh, uh, slasher type movie had ever done anything like that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I liked, I liked how they brought in the whole Stab series, you know, a, a play on itself, you know, because that's what it seems like America does, is that something tragic happens, and what do they do? They capitalize on it by making something, you know, whether it's a documentary or a movie or a TV show. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that's how I feel like, you know, that was very, very smart on uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. Um, to to recognize that and, and another aspect of uh, uh, the screen movies uh, it's, they're basically who done it right and uh, yeah pretty much you the, the audience member you're the detective and uh, the movie is not cryptic at all it's a puzzle that you can uh, uh, put together in your head and and the movie will give you all the pieces yeah it's never gonna lead you astray or it, there's red herrings but they're very what about chucky you didn't you haven't seen the first season of chucky i think i've seen the the uh the tv show but uh i follow i follow that franchise uh, uh, it's not my favorite franchise uh i always liked uh, the very first one um it got a little bit wacky later on uh, for me uh it, it was uh, it became more of a comedy than a than a scary movie yeah but i think a lot of those minus like halloween because i haven't seen it that turn into like a comedy or even like the texas chainsaw massacre um I guess not even Friday the 13th, but like the Nightmare on Elm Streets did. Right. Yeah. Those. Those. those yeah. It was more. Yeah. It was more. You know. How. How can my one-liner really like? 
affect you know what what's going on in the scene. The same thing too with Chucky. You know, it's just basically what he what he was you know about to say or what he was going to say or what he did say. Um, yeah. He would do like really wacky things like. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's a killer doll, so yeah. <laughs> how, how serious really can you take it? So, yeah. you know, if you can't really pull one over the audience that way, then you're, you're going to have to do the next best thing is, you know, make them laugh. Yeah, no, but dolls are scary. Like, um, like have, you, have you ever seen, like, dolls from like, the Victorian era? Those, yeah, yeah. Those things are kind of creepy. Yeah, it's like in the last podcast we talked about that whole like uh, that Geico commercial with the guy who bought the house and went upstairs and they turned on the lights and it was just a shit ton of like Victorian dolls and stuff in the attic and then the guy looks at the Geico and says, "Nope, yeah. nope, nope." <laughs> yeah. yeah they, uh, some sometimes you know that shit kind of like really weirds people out um, and weirds them out in a really bad way. Yeah, it's one of those weird things like clowns as well like it's something that shouldn't scare you but it does for some reason yeah that's always been weird to me like how people have that type of phobia like with clowns but you know it's it's to each is their own you know there's certain things that people find scary and you know if clowns is it then you know that sucks yeah. like i would i would hate to be in that person's shoes there's a lot of clowns like you things like that don't help huh yeah <laughs> that's probably like the start of it so um, I guess for my review of Chucky season one um, since you haven't seen it yeah tell us about it um, like I said I thought it was really good um, it was weird at first um, I, I would actually say more awkward it was very awkward so it was it was very now um, today's age of, of living um, with the main character um, so it's this young kid who is an artist and um, he's referenced to be gay through pretty much the entire um, season um, and I don't want to give away any spoilers about about him and his um, his uh, sexuality but um, it is heavily referenced um, like in the beginning of, of the episodes um, about him and that's really a, a like a, a hard topic for him to take um, and so um, what happens is uh, he's just at a yard sale and he comes across um, the Chucky doll which uh, to them is a vintage good guys doll so and he thought um, being an artist he's uh, creating this uh, sculpture out of dolls speaking of dolls like he's creating a his own kind of sculpture um, but he's using all parts of all dolls to to make it like a life-size person but uh using uh dolls as his medium uh, yeah so he, he wanted to use chucky's head as the main head for the for the doll sculpture that he was doing so that was the whole reason uh, behind him acquiring the chucky doll it just appeared in this yard sale and he just happened to come by and just thought uh, he would you know he would buy it and there was a whole like uh, back and forth between him and the uh, the owner of the of the the toys that she was selling um, and there the whole thing was about them being like vintage or retro and so like uh, he was basically like arguing with her about it being one way and she's telling him it's another way and so but he ended up acquiring it um, I think the joke was, you know, the difference between uh, uh, vintage and retro was was ten dollars, because she was asking for twenty, and and then all he had was ten. So yeah. uh, that's how he that's how he uh, acquired Chucky. Um, and then from that point on, um, like I said, it was just his. I think it was his acting um, is what really was awkward. Um, just his. He used a lot of weird facial expressions. Um, to me and I just it, I was just kind of like I don't really understand like what his method of acting is is about you know like why he's making like all these weird faces I mean it almost looks like he had like really bad gas or something at one point you know and just the faces that he was making throughout like his lines and stuff like that but I don't know if he was just really just trying to portray like this tortured soul or, or what you know only being 14 years old um, but um, that's a kid yeah he's okay. a kid yeah he's a young kid so he's uh he's in he's actually in junior high um 
too much to spoil anything. Um, but after like the first two episodes, you know, it's uh, you you started seeing the progression of how the story arc was was heading. Um, you weren't to me. I wasn't like really knowing like what was the end game of the of the season um, until the end of the season happened and then I was just like kind of blown away I was like wow that's that was pretty cool because it really kind of kept you guessing um, to what was happening okay. but it was slow pace or in the beginning like the first two episodes were slow paced um, but after that it was uh, like I said it, it's, everything started falling in place uh, everything was rolling like one thing after the other so it, it's it, the the, the progression of, of what they're trying to, to accomplish for the season um, picked up at the third episode and then moved forward all the way up to episode eight, which was the last episode for the season. So is it more of a thriller or uh, is there a sizable body count in this one? Or? Um, I wouldn't say sizable body count, but there's a pretty good body count in it. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's more. It's more of a body count towards the end of the season than it is in the beginning. So, but in the beginning, you know, it's like it's one, two, three, four, you know, that type of thing. Um, but uh, it's um, ramps up the as it goes on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's basically like I said. It's it's I it. I don't want to say it's filler, but it's um, it's. Um, of the word for it um, makes sense on the like they're like they're dominoes you know it's uh, each kill is like the next led into the next thing you know one right after the other as long as it's a good progression yeah like like plot progression uh, I, I don't like it when uh, things happen and uh, it's just some sort of mistake just to move the story along when like a character makes a, a does something stupid just to keep the story going, uh, I don't know. So yeah, that was my take on uh, on Chucky season one. Um, I can't wait to see uh, season two. Uh, I think uh, they left off in a really good place um, to uh, to have a second season. Um, this one did uh, leave off on a cliffhanger, um, <laughs> and it was, like at the end of it too, they basically like Chucky was sitting there like in a chair and uh, like drinking something, and he looks up and he's like, "Oh, you're there!" Kind of like the the whole Deadpool thing, yeah, like the fourth wall. So then like he also starts explaining like he gives you the um, he gives you the uh, the body count. Um, runs down like how many people were killed during this season um, and then also gives you like the gives you the rundown of the cliffhanger um, so that way you have to figure out like you know because they didn't know if they were going to do a second season or not from from what I was told um, and what I read and then next thing I know I was reading that oh season two is wrapping up and it's going to be released this year and I was like oh I guess uh, I guess they are doing a second season yeah, I didn't see uh, how well it did or even how well it was recepted because um, by the time I was watching it, it was already done, um, obviously. So with season two coming out this year, um, so I guess, uh, but yeah, the with the cliffhanger that they had at the end of it, it's not even so much like a cliffhanger. It was, it was uh, just, I guess, um, just the way it ended. Um, it could be, you know, construed as as a cliffhanger or or just a unwrapped storyline, you know, that they need to uh, tie up, you know, the loose ends in the next year in the next season. Um, so, and I don't even know anything else uh, past that. Whether it's going to be the same cast, same characters, you know, or if it's moving to a new area um, or any of that sort. So, we'll uh, we'll see what happens and. How they uh, how they start um, season two, or even like how they bring back Chucky. Okay. Well, sounds interesting. Uh, I'm definitely gonna, gonna check that one out in the following days. And 
Yeah, I just want to make sure that, uh, like, I watch, like, maybe one or two episodes uh, a night, just so that way I can, you know, soak it in and reflect back on those episodes and be like, oh, okay, I understand what they're doing, what, what's happening, and have a, a better understanding of everything. As you know, I'm an avid uh, comic book collector, and I have uh, one uh, recommendation uh, today that, that, that I bring for everybody. Um, from Boom Studios, uh, a title called Something is Killing the Children uh, by author James Tinian III and uh, artist Werther Deladera. Uh, James Tinian uh, comes from uh, DC. He did a bunch of detective comics. He was on the main Batman title for a while. It did very well. Uh, and basically, uh, this, uh, this comic book is uh, a small town in Wisconsin uh, called Archer's Peak uh, uh, is seeing a, a series of missing children and uh, mysterious deaths. Uh, there's a monster on the loose and uh, it's killing children and only the children can see it. Uh, which means that the adults and the police uh, struggle to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, enter uh, character Jessica Slaughter. Uh, who's a young woman, member of a, a mysterious organization uh, uh, of monster hunters. Uh, and they're uh, tasked uh, with uh, hunting down and uh, eliminating these, uh, 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 these monsters. Um, and they're adults and they can see the monsters? Uh, it gets revealed later on that they have a, um, a technique that that allows them to see the monsters uh. that other adults uh, are not able to. Uh, they have uh, some sort of mysterious uh, origin uh, that's a, a, a supernatural type thing. Oh, okay. It goes into the supernatural. And then the monsters also come from like a supernatural realm. And, uh, and yeah, basically... Um, uh, it's just the mystery of uh, where this organization com comes from and why are the monsters uh, killing children. Um, it's interesting because um, I, I don't think uh, killing children in horror is uh, off limits necessarily. I see it a little bit uh, uh, reminiscent of the, uh, uh, the final girl trope. Because just like children, um, they represent uh, um, the death of uh, innocence and um, vulnerability. And uh, so some people might find, might cringe at, at seeing children being killed. And, and the comic book is definitely not for kids. It gets very graphic, it gets very bloody, the kills are, are, are really gruesome. And, um, but it's a, it's a really, really good read. Um, lots is, this, of, is this a series? It's a series. Uh, so far, they're on chapter, I believe, they're on like the third story arc. Okay. Uh, it's, been going, uh, it's been published since 2019, so it's been going on for a while. I was just going to ask how long, how old is the is this uh, series? Yeah, not, not very old, but uh, it's been going on for a little while now. Um, yeah, it's rare to hear like that are uh, horror comics um, with original stories and stuff like that that aren't um, you know of the uh, the actual horror movies because like Halloween at one point had its own comic series. Um, I think Friday the Thirteenth did. Yeah, but I never really like saw an original besides. And same thing with Predator. Predator was a movie, so they had a comic series. Yeah, but I think they had a comic series before the movie um, with Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah, Dark Horse did, did publish some, some Predator stuff. Uh, I think uh, the Alien franchise also had some some comic books. Yeah, but I think the Alien franchise had the comic books after the movies. Yeah, um, totally, yeah. As to where, like, Predator didn't, and then it was, like, I think in, about the, around the same time that they were being released, um, they had the movie come out. Um, 
but like I was saying, it's just really rare for, for you to hear that uh, horror has, you know, like comics, um, but it's super cool. And then this one sounds really, really cool and intriguing. Like, I'm already kind of hooked on to see, like, how these people, you know, what their technique is to see these monsters and, you know, how many of them are there and, you know, how did the group come to existence? Yeah, I recommend everybody... Uh, uh uh, go check this one out. I believe that uh, it's been auctioned, and hopefully, a, a really good uh, studio picks it up and uh, uh, makes like a really good movie or a TV series. It is really ripe for uh, uh, translation into the screen. It would come very, very naturally, I think. Mm. That's awesome. Do you have any other uh, suggestions for our horror comics, or is this the only one that's pretty just... Well, this is the one that I wanted to focus on. Um, there is one more. Uh, it's called uh, The Silver Coin. And it's more like a... Um, it's like an anthology series. And it's also... It, this one is also very new. It's only on, like, its ninth installment. But this one is... It's, it's, uh, it's more like in the vein of... Uh, Crypt Keeper, or like, uh, where it's like self-contained stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but they're all tied by this one thing called uh, the um, the silver coin, which is like a mysterious, also supernatural type uh, artifact um, that brings certain um, uh, supernatural powers to whoever possesses it. So the first one. Uh, uh, no spoilers, but the first uh, uh, story is about a, a musician who's lost his mojo. Uh, he's a guitar player, and uh, uh, his band uh, is, is is done with him. Uh, uh, he he he's hit like this creative wall, and uh, he comes across the silver coin and puts it in his pocket, uh, not thinking nothing about it. Um, and then suddenly. Uh, he needed a pick for, for his guitar, and he reaches into his pocket, he doesn't have a pick, so he just uses the uh, uh, the coin, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, he's a, he, he's a, a master musician again. <laughs> uh, uh, but it comes with consequences, right? Yeah, like everything. Uh, another story that I really dug was, uh, so that one was in, uh, I believe was in the 60s, and then when you fast forward to the 80s, uh, this little kid, um, uh, finds the coin, and uh, he's very—he's uh, 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 a very uh, avid player of uh, fighting games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, things like that. And uh, when he uses that coin, uh, all of a sudden he's unbeatable, and uh, and becomes a sensation. But again, it comes with very dire consequences. Delving into the supernatural and uh, demonic things that start to happen. So that's another series that's really good. The Silver Coin. That one is produced by Image. Oh, that's cool. Image. I like Image. Um, so, how does that work with him and the coin and the video games? Like, if he puts the coin in the video game machine, how does he get that coin back? He doesn't. Uh, like I said, these are very. Uh, um, Standalone uh, uh, stories. So that that story arc is basically his one day of that, playing that video game. Exactly. Got it. Okay. The yeah. coin the coin moves on to another possessor or another story. Interesting. Huh. It always ends in a way that the possessor either loses it or the, the coin just sort of moves on. Is interesting. Huh. Silver coin. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that one is pretty cool too. Uh, yeah, comic books are a really uh, good place for horror. And, uh, yeah, because you can get away with a lot. Oh yeah. You know, because your your pages are what your mind is, you know, capable of. Exactly. You know, opposed to like how we were talking about practical, you know, FX. You know, that's only as good as the person's imagination and yeah. how well the makeup is going to look. As for, like, you know, pen on paper, you can do some crazy shit. Totally. The, the only budget you have is your own imagination. Like, so. Yeah, especially with all these uh, the superhero movies coming out, all based on uh, comic books, right? Yeah, exactly. There has been some movies uh, adapted from uh, comic books that I didn't know were comic books. Uh, 
before I watched the movie, the one that comes to mind is uh, From Hell. I had no idea that was a comic book uh, until I, I researched it at some point. I really liked the movie. Starring Johnny Depp and uh, Heather Graham. Uh, was from uh, 2001. But uh, before that, uh, there was a serialized comic that ran from uh, 89 to 98, uh, also titled From Hell. Um, it ran for uh, 11 issues. Uh, a really good uh, narrative and uh, amazing artwork. Uh, all black and white, which adds to the moodiness uh, uh, of the comic book. Um, this one was written by Alan Moore, and uh, the art was by Eddie Campbell. Oh wow, Alan Moore, huh? Yeah, crazy, crazy guy. If you if you uh, know this name, you you know how how insane it gets. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like I'm really uh, interested in that now. I totally did not know that they uh, they took that from a comic. Like I just thought it was uh, an actual like movie from the uh, from the pages that the Ripper like wrote to the uh, press. Yeah, it is very uh, uh, loosely based, I guess, on on, on the lore of uh, uh, Jack the Ripper. That's awesome. I wonder uh, how hard is it to uh, come across those uh, those uh, the uh, comics itself. Uh, the single issues are a little bit hard to get, uh, simply because they're old and. Uh, um, there wasn't a very uh, a long print run, but uh, the collected series is, is pretty uh, attainable right now. That's awesome. Yeah, something I have to look into. So I, uh, I'm really, really big on like Jack the Ripper and like his lore. Like uh, anytime I see something on YouTube, it's like an instant watch. Like I don't care what I was like on YouTube to watch. It was like, oh, here's something about Jack the Ripper and maybe possibly his true identity. So I'm like, click. Yeah, yeah uh, a lot of the uh, events uh, that happened with that uh, particular historical figure uh, really uh, set off a lot of uh, uh, very important historical events of the 19th century. Look out for those comics. Uh, maybe uh, go through the interwebs and see if I can find myself a book. Yeah, you could probably find them uh, digitally as well. I tried that with the the whole digital comics and the novelty of it. I thought it was kind of cool at first, but I'm really an old school cat. Like, yeah. I like to have something tangible in my hands. Yeah, yeah, the actual physical thing is always. Uh... Yeah, I love I love just having something like a book in my hand where I can actually physically read it. I tried doing that with PDFs, and I'm a huge like D and D guy also. And oh. I, I tried that with the PDFs on there, and yeah, it's cool to have, but it, when it comes back down to it, like I'd rather have the actual book in my hand so I can thumb through those pages and you know oh. find something real quick as for I have to like figure out where the page is at and scroll and scroll and scroll like right. you know I'll find it a lot quicker you know going through those pages than I would uh, scrolling down the uh, with the mouse one of our uh, co-workers had uh, brought up to me about uh, some horror video games new horror anthology of games which I watched some of the trailers and they looked really really good interesting very interesting yeah yeah definitely it's come a long way from uh, from Resident Evil uh, and Silent Hill, so that's what jams right there. Yeah, yeah, those are they can't beat the classics. This episode of the podcast Last Rites is brought to you by our unofficial sponsor. Um, we're hoping one day that we can actually officially get sponsored by them, but um, we're talking to you, Liquid Death. So, Liquid Death is a uh, mountain spring uh, water, they uh, use cans instead of bottles. Um, so it's death to plastic is uh, one of their slogans and catchphrases. Awesome. Um, and the other one is uh, murder your thirst. So um, here's to you, liquid death. Thank you very much um, for helping us out, quenching our, uh, murdering our thirst uh, during these uh, uh, episodes. Um, so here's to you guys. Right, liquid death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Horror Scene Podcast, Last Rites. If you guys haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to it on YouTube, please subscribe, smash that like button, and then hit the bell for all future notifications. 
You can always find us at our website, www.thehorrorscene.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And for any comments, questions, or future show ideas, you can hit us up at our email, thehorrorscene at gmail.com. Remember to stay creepy. Keep it spooky. From our grave to yours. These have been your last rites.